This is One in 54, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. One in 54 is a weekly show devoted to topics related to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to One in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And this morning I'm speaking with Carmen Vincent, a documentary filmmaker from Indiana. Carmen, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. I um, I know that we're going to talk about a film that you are in the process of completing. Would that be fair to say? Um, yes. Uh, called Teacher of Patience, and it follows the life and experiences of uh, a young woman named Emily and her family and her community. And um, so, so I guess the first thing I want to say before I ask you to do an intro is just for those of you who might be curious what Teacher of Patience is and whether you can learn more, we'll repeat this a few times, but go see teacherofpatience.com and you'll be able to see a, um, a little clip of it that gives you a great idea of what it's all about. So with that said, Carmen, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and what led you to documentary filmmaking and then what led you to Emily? Absolutely. So so I'm Carmen Vincent. I'm a documentary filmmaker from Northwest Indiana. I'm originally from the Milwaukee area. I've lived in Chicago, Indianapolis, Indiana, all over the Midwest. Um, and I'm finally settling here and found this incredible family. Uh, they're from Hebron, but they work in Belpo. So they're in Northwest Indiana, um, residents through and through. Uh, and ended up seeing something called the Emily Talk, which is the presentation they give to first responders and the wider community about how to interact with individuals with Down syndrome, autism, and disabilities at large. Uh, I was so touched by their honesty and transparency and, and how open they were to answering any questions at all that I had to walk up to them um, right after the presentation and ask, would you, would you mind if I made a documentary about you? And the rest is history. That was that was February of 2020. So it's been about a year and a half now. And we're we're working on post-production and fundraising to be able to finish the film and get it out into the world. All right. Great overview. Thank you. All the way from New York to Indiana. This is uh, this is it's really nice to talk to you um, about a project that you're working on out there. And um, one of the things that if you go visit teacherofpatients.com is you'll start to see a little bit about what these Emily talks are. You get a little glimpse into um, what goes on, but but there's a whole um, kind of layer of storytelling there um, that I think we should get to. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit more about who who is Emily and yeah. you know why would there be something called an Emily talk? Yeah, Emily is one of my best friends now. She's a 25-year-old young woman. She she loves music and movies, and she has the best sense of humor in the world. Um, she also happens to have Down syndrome. So her father, Tom, is a paramedic. Uh, he's been a first responder for over 30 years now. And, you know, parenthood with Emily was a bit different than they had expected. Um, so he has taken that lesson and incorporated it with the first responder community he's part of and has developed the Emily Talk, which is all about teaching people uh, about people like Emily, uh, you know, people with Down syndrome, autism, disabilities. And, and the film is called Teacher of Patience because that's what Tom calls Emily. Um, and, and really Emily does a great job of reminding us all to slow down and, and learn about each other in our own context. So 
So it's a great, it's a great presentation um, and pursuit for first responders in particular, because they're, they're taught, uh, you know, to go, go, go all the time. So it's really mm. hard to take a step back. And I'm sure we'll talk about that more. Yeah, well, that's actually a good segue. Um, we, and we're going to cover a bunch of things. But but since you just said that, um, it, it occurred to me while I was watching the the clip and also speaking with you in preparation for this interview, that first responders, I would think I was never one, I never had that role. But, um, but I would think that a huge part of their training, and then on the job experience is snap decisions, quick decisions, life and death, like make a decision now, possibly without any input or feedback from anyone else. Um, really fast. So it is go, 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 right? And now they're, they're being invited to sit in a room and uh, both listen to Tom, Emily's dad, give the training, but also introduced to the concept of if you have the opportunity to wait and be patient, um, you might learn something about what's going on in that emergency situation or urgent situation that will allow them to make a better decision, a more informed decision. Um, how does that go over? As far as you, I don't know what level of interaction you've had with the first responders who've watched, who've been part, you know, been in on these talks, but is that well received or does it completely throw them in terms of, well, we can't because we have to make these decisions based on just what we observe right away? Hmm. Yeah. I want to preface by saying I'm not a first responder and have never been one, but in making this film, I've learned a lot about them. And I do think it's been well received, uh, really well received because they want to do their job the best they can. Mm -hmm. um, and there, there's a great, there's a lacking in the training for, to include conversations about disabilities, which is why I love the Emily talk so much because it does bring that element of, you know, sometimes in these emergency situations, yes, we want to go quickly and make quick decisions to save people's lives. Um, Cause sometimes it is a life or death situation, but sometimes um, that's not helpful for the person um, in the emergency situation. And it's okay to slow down and really get to get to know what's best for that person um, in their own context. So, uh, you know, the inciting incident for the Emily talk, not only was, you know, parenting, um, Tom's parenting experience, but also the Ethan Saylor incident, which happened a few years, I think maybe it's like seven or eight years now. Um, Ethan Saylor was a young man uh, with Down syndrome and he was attending a movie at a movie theater and wanted to stay for the next movie. Um, ended up, uh, the, the movie theater owner ended up calling the police. The police came and tried to get Ethan out of the theater, ended up restraining him. And unfortunately, Ethan um, suffocated to death. So he, he died in that situation. And Tom explains it as this is just a huge misunderstanding because they, uh, you know, they're trained to go so quickly. And I'm sure, like, obviously, the police officers never intended for such a tragedy to take place. But it's about being patient and taking a second to understand that Ethan, he was just waiting for his caregiver to get there. And, that, and then they could have, you know, mediated that situation. So... So I think that really tugged at Tom's heartstrings because he thought, oh, my goodness, this could be Emily. Right. So I, I have a responsibility now to go and, you know, educate people as best as I can, because I know it's not our first thought. 
when in these emergency situations. Right. And, and, and I think you just nailed it where it's not just about a change in behavior. Um, a couple of things are occurring to me. One being oftentimes I think first responders can, when they, when they are able to, can work in teams. Yeah. And so there might be the opportunity for one person to be focused on the emergency at hand, but the other team member to be kind of um, maybe have the ability to slow down a little bit and just check out the broader circumstances, situations, maybe see if there's a caregiver on the side kind of observing, not sure what to do that might know that individual might be able to ask a question and find out some more. Um, but the other thing that you said that really spoke to me is, um, is that it sounds like these talks are also not just directed at, you know, there's different things that you can do, but there's a whole different way you can think, mm-hmm. um, which is instead of I see X, Y, Z, and that's what I see. And that's what I'm responding to, to kind of, I see X, Y, Z, but there's also, you know, D, E, F that I don't see immediately, but it could be there. And that's what I hear a lot from families at Anderson, some of whom who've gone through some really scary experiences with their own, maybe nonverbal loved one right. um, in situations where it's not, it's still not front of mind. It's just not always there where you're thinking, well, there could be some many reasons why that person's not looking me in the eye when I'm telling them to look at me or yeah. that person's not responding to me vocally when I'm saying something to them. Um, it still takes a couple extra seconds. I think even for the most well-trained professionals yeah. and experts to remember, wait, there's, there's things I don't know about this situation. So I, I love that. And I also love um, that, uh, that, Tom refers to um, Emily having the job of being a teacher of patients. Yep. And that's kind of in the context of all the things that as parents, um, as her parents, I think uh, Tom and his wife um, kind of let go of periodically mm-hmm. um, or over time, probably of the things of, you know, um, going straight through high school and in, you know, a typical classroom and graduating with a degree or maybe going to college or holding a different kind of job. So, you know, them, I know, and we're going to get in, in the second half of the show, I want to get into what it's been like for you just being in their home and sort of becoming really an extended part of their family. But what would you say to that about, um, about how they were able to navigate through that part Mm -hmm. and, and recognize that she does have something really significant to offer? Yeah. I, and they talk about this in the film, and I'm so glad they're honest about this. It was tough to, because when your child is born, you have certain expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and when all of that shifts, it can be an emotional process to readjust to. But Tom and Tina are so good about meeting people in their own context and not expecting, not having expectations, really. And, and so they let Emily live her best life for who she is. And that's why her job is teaching people patience and they don't pressure her to go get a job at Dairy Queen or something, because that's not the life they want for her. They want her to be happy. And that as far as I'm concerned, from what I've heard, that took some time to come to, because it's, it's hard to readjust your expectations as a parent um, because you want the world for your child. Um, But they've, they've realized that this is her world and this Mm -hmm. is how she's happy. And that's, that's okay. Well, and that's patience and that's understanding and that's yes. being able to shift your own um, expectations to um, to something that is w- without losing meaning, I guess. You can shift yeah. expectations without losing meaning. That's that's maybe something that that um, 
connects here. So, um, so I want to direct everybody's attention back to the website, which is teacherofpatience.com. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with Carmen Vincent to talk about what it's been like for you, Carmen, being invited to their farm and getting to know Emily and going on shopping trips and, and being there for the beautiful times and also the times that probably make a lot of people uncomfortable um, mm-hmm. and why those decisions were made to keep those pieces in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, this is One in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and we'll be right back. I've got a math question for you. When you add tolerance, subtract prejudice, and multiply efforts to treat one another with respect, what do you get? Less division. And school sports have it down to a science. Looking for an example of what can happen when we realize there's more that unites us than divides us? Look no further than high school sports in New York. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. And now 1 in 54 continues on 100.7 WHUD. This is a weekly community affairs program presented by the Anderson Center for Autism. Welcome back to 1 in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and I'm talking this morning with Carmen Vincent, who is a documentary filmmaker in Northwest Indiana. And she is talking to us about uh, a film that we're eager to see um, get finished up and released called Teacher of Patience. And you can learn more at teacherofpatience.com. This is the story of Emily and her family um, as they navigate a life that... um, She's 25 now, right? Yeah. So probably 24 and a half years ago, maybe nobody (laughs) in the family kind of realized, including her sister, I think she's a sister, Mm -hmm. um, kind of expected, but Emily has sort of driven forward and and, um, her family has been there to support her. And and you're covering this in this film, which I think is great. Um, And and hopefully we'll have big impact um, for everybody. Um, I also want to draw attention to the fact that teacherofpatience.com is a place where you can make a donation to support the completion of this film, correct? Yes, absolutely. We're accepting donations online and with checks, and we're also looking for sponsors and partners. So please reach out. Yes, definitely take a look. I think you'll be inspired. I certainly was when I saw it and really wanted to meet you. So, um, okay. So we covered kind of some of the, some the Emily talks and definitely the connection between what Emily's dad, Tom does um, as a, as a first responder and then a a trainer for other first responders and how he developed the Emily talks. Um, But I want to get into some of the experiences you've had because you found a way to get invited really into this family (laughs) and, um, and developed a, a friendship with Emily herself. Um, I also think it's important to just make sure all of our listeners know that Emily is fully aware that that the film is being made and she was uh, invited to participate in the discussion about whether or not to do it. And she did want to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's a huge, huge priority of mine to respect everyone's dignity in the films I make and, or, you know, respect everyone's um, wants and stuff. So, you know, we may try to have that conversation. Right. And, and I would think that there are probably sometimes um, when you're filming uh, where it might pose a question for you in the moment of like, do I turn the camera off? Do I yep. keep capturing this? Um, even in the trailer, I saw a couple of moments that are, there are some very funny moments. There are some really sweet, endearing, affectionate moments. And then there are some moments that are sort of very public and very raw and, uh, and you can see uh, Emily 
and or her sister and or her parent um, struggling and maybe mm-hmm. getting a little upset. So how did you navigate all that? You're there both as a person right next to them, but also yeah, yeah. capturing this on film. Yeah, I think I always make sure to have a conversation like, is this okay to include in the film? So if I film it, I make sure to check in about that. Um, That's number one. But you're right. There are these really raw moments that take place where I have my camera on and I sometimes I just I turn it down to the ground or I turn it off completely because it feels like I'm invading their space. And I'm and it crosses a line between showing their authentic experiences to almost feeling like if I were filming this, it would feel like I'm exploiting their situation. So I. I think a lot about that, about walking that line and making sure I'm representing their authentic experience. I think one thing is I I think to myself, you know, when Emily's having a tough moment, if she were someone who didn't have Down syndrome, would I keep filming? And Mm -hmm. the answer, you know, yeah. I mean, we all have really hard moments and really tough days and we're all, we have emotional days. I cry all the time. Emily cries all the time. Like that's how we express our emotion. And there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with that. And I also think it's so important to represent people like Emily um, in film more often, because a lot of times when you see someone with Down syndrome on screen, they're, you know, they don't have that other aspect of autism that Emily also has, or they're, you know, they're always talking about the, all the achievements this individual's having, like, oh, this person with Down syndrome graduated college and like, oh, that's awesome. That's really great. But we also need to celebrate people like Emily, who her job is, you know, being happy. Like her job is living her best life. Mm-hmm. And even though she might not be able to, you know, like write a 10 page essay or, you know, whatever, that doesn't matter. It's, it's not about ability. That's, that's the number one message in this film that it's not about ability. It's about love. And it's so very clear that Emily is deeply loved and she deeply loves others too. So that's, I know I kind of went off on a tangent there, but <laughs> that's I love my process. Speaking of love. No, I think that's great. I mean, I think that I think I, I would think again, uh, yet another thing I have never done and don't do for a living, um, you know, being a filmmaker, a documentarian. However, I would assume or or I would think that that's one of the beautiful things about what you get to do mm-hmm. um, is that you're there for those moments. And yep. again, you know, I think that um, while I'm eager to see the, the whole film, the trailer really captures a lot of that. And there's this one moment in the trailer where very quickly Emily walks by her mom and gives her a kiss on the cheek. And you can see in her mom's reaction to that, that I, I saw, I mean, I could cry right now. I just saw like almost every emotion flash over her face in about a second and a half, because it was sort of like, I didn't know where that was coming from, but I loved it. And I want it again, but I might not get it again anytime soon. And I, you know, all of this stuff, just, you can read it. So I, I think, um, I think it's really uh, very true when you say that this film is about love. Um, So many things are about awareness and acceptance and achievement and um, ability or disability or educating people about what is down syndrome how is it you know how does it come to be how does it manifest in different people but if you don't put it in the context of human to human interaction Mm -hmm. then um then it's not quite as as deep as meaningful or as impactful probably for larger audiences to relate to um i related to that moment just because i am a mom of two kids um, neither of whom have Down syndrome or autism, mm-hmm. but I I felt it because, you know, at some moment in your life, you're going to have somebody 
give you something unexpected and it and then it's gone but it's not gone it's just cool so yeah. well done with that scene at least. i love that i so appreciate you saying that because that like that's it this isn't actually a film about down syndrome it's a film about being a parent and being a child and and trying to educate your community like like you said you can relate to it as a mother even though your kids don't have you know down syndrome or autism that's that's the point that it's not our disabilities um, that the story should be about. It's about the relationships and the human interactions. I was going to say, it's about the, the fact that we're humans. I just, yeah. I just, um, I just interviewed recently a young man who's a, I think he's going into ninth grade. Um, and he just wow. ran a, an amazing fundraiser for Anderson. Just side note, um, awesome. all around really impressive young, young man. But I asked him, he doesn't have anybody in his immediate life, in his immediate personal life who has autism. Mm -hmm. um, he was introduced to Anderson in a different way through his mother. And, uh, but he sort of decided that Anderson's going to be his main focus of, of this part of his life that he wants to develop, which is philanthropy. So he ran this fundraiser and I interviewed him on this podcast and I asked him, you know, what would he say to somebody who uh, thinks that you can only raise awareness or funds you know, around a cause that you have a personal connection to. And he said, I don't think so. He said, I, I think that if we're just human beings, we should be able to do the right thing for other people. We should just do do good things for other people. Absolutely. So I, that just reminded me of him. Um, yeah. and, and it's nice to know that there are people out there doing that and modeling that. Um, so, so let's, let's talk about another aspect of this film and the family, which is Emily's sister. Um, there's a scene in the trailer where it looks as though Emily has maybe recently become an aunt. Um, how did you introduce the concept? Let me bring up Amara into the and try to capture this interaction between Emily and her family and this newborn. Well, what's really know. great about that clip, and thank you for thinking I filmed it, that was actually an archival clip that oh. Tom and Tina had filmed in the hospital room. So, I mean, that's just another layer of intimacy that our relationship has has garnered, is that they're giving me everything to use in this film. It's, it's really incredible. And as a documentary filmmaker, it's like my dream come true. So, yeah, that was a really awesome. interesting intimate moment for sure it was it was incredibly sweet and again a vulnerable moment because yep. somebody decided to have that camera on and yep. to me it was clear that they didn't know what they were going to get oh yeah um <laughs> it could have you know could have been something else i'm not going to give away the surprise i really want our listeners to go visit teacherofpatience.com and uh and see for yourself and consider any ways that you can support or bring awareness to, to carmen's project here and Thank to you. um emily herself and her family. And then I, you know, we're, we're low on time, but, uh, but I do want to focus on the word patience um, just as we end um, as I think it's something that you and I both kind of um, have talked about. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot happening certainly in the autism community um, around language right now. There's been a, for years, it's all, you know, April has been all about autism awareness and awareness and awareness and awareness for good reason. There just wasn't enough. Um, now there's this shift to autism acceptance. And, um, and I was speaking to somebody the other day who told me that their goal is to reach autism appreciation. And I, you know, I think it's all incredible just to see yeah. that m momentum moving in that direction. Um, but, and I talk about kindness and kind of doing the right thing a lot on this podcast, because I get to meet so many wonderful people who are doing just that and are finding creative, innovative ways to encourage kindness. Patience is a new one. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that, I, you know, I'm going to add it to my repertoire of what I talk about. Um, what has patience grown to, to mean to you? 
Uh, oh my gosh, that's a big question. Well, you're talking about kindness and I think patience is kindness because our world is so fast moving. And I think we all got a little taste of this in lockdown that there, there is value to patience that we learn more about other people in their context and why they do the things they do. And we also learn about ourselves and why and I just think there's such value in, in sitting in the quiet of who we really are comes out, um, you know, in the context of being a first responder, in the context of being a filmmaker, in the context of being a mom. I mean, patience is something we can all use more of. And, and there's, to me, I only see benefits. Um, and, and like you said, like there is a kindness there um, mm-hmm. because you're respecting the human being for, for who they are and giving them the time to be who they truly are. Well, I love that. Very well said, Carmen. Thank you you so much again for being on the show. Um, Thank you for doing what you're doing. Best of luck with your project. Please let me know when it's ready. Send me a link um, if you can. And everyone else, just go see teacherofpatience.com. Learn more about Carmen's work. Learn more about Emily, the Emily Talks. It might inspire you to do something in your own community um, Mm -hmm. because clearly this is making an impact in Indiana and hopefully beyond. So Carmen Vincent, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. My pleasure, completely. Um, This is 1 in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to 1 in 54, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. Join us for another edition of the show at the same time next week. 